You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. This podcast is recorded at the Francis Roy office in Valparaiso, Florida, where we invite our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors to candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, and I have with me today two Hillarys. <laughs> and very similar, you know one of them, our Hillary, Hillary Derso here at Francis Roy. Hey. Hi guys. And then we also have Hillary Kay, who I just know so many of you are going to be excited about because you guys love our Enneagram content. It's some of the most demanded, but also the most listened to content. And Hillary Kay is an Enneagram burnout coach. And she's not necessarily going to give us a therapy session today. We're not going to ask for that, but maybe. But anyways, <laughs> Hillary, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. It's funny because my the my one-on-one coaching clients that I have, they always say you're like some weird sort of mix between a therapist and a business coach. I'm not sure what to call you when I talk about you, but so I say I answer to anything. I can be your therapist, I can be your coach, I can be your trainer, whatever you need me to be, I can be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I we think that's so great. And you guys connected on Instagram kind of because of your names really are so similarly spelled, you were just sharing that with us, Hillary, but you also made such, I think, an impressive connection on us and just the reach out and your desire to, to connect with something that really resonated with our team. I agree. The personalized message from you, it, it was so important. Yeah. I feel like it's very important and it immediately made me feel very comfortable to have a conversation with you too. So awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, marketing is my background. And so I'm all about building that relationship. And that's, that's actually what led me into the Enneagram was through marketing and building relationships. And it was a way that I learned to better connect with my clients and customers in a way that was important and valuable <laughs> to them. And that that really was the difference between when I back when I had a marketing agency, why they chose me versus someone else is because it's you get that, you know, you have to know, like, and trust someone and you have to connect with someone's hearts first before you're going to connect with their wallet. And so that's an important lesson I learned from my marketing career that has just kind of transferred into my coaching career. So I absolutely love that you guys noticed that because some people don't notice that and, you know, they don't know why they connect, but they do. And so it feels good as an Enneagram three to be recognized for that, that work that I do. So I appreciate that. Well, that's fantastic. So a couple of things we've really, you know, dove into the research here on our team, just Enneagram in the workplace. And we initially started using it as a way to build our project teams. So we would, you know, introduce to a client, we would get started with them, and then we would identify who on our team would be a better fit for them, right? We're building project teams that way. And our team is pretty diverse. At any given time, we'll have at least one type on our team. The four has been kind of elusive for us. It's such a weird thing because we're a creative firm, but there's creativity in every type. We know that. And, but we also, it allows us to kind of recognize and be aware in others when they're doing their best, when they're trying their best and honor that. But then also we're trying to be better at recognizing burnout on our team. Yes. And 
your topics, your, your whole kind of platform really speaks to us because the best way we know to use the Enneagram is self-awareness and then a practical application. And that I think is why your content is so appealing, but maybe we should identify, you're saying you're type three. Yes. Have you, already t- have you ever shared with Hillary what your type is? Oh no. So I'm type six. Okay. Okay. Great. And we, I guess we should have had you guess. No, oh. it's, we, that's a toxic thing that we do. <laughs> but that's like, that's what I say is my toxic trait. Like those TikToks oh. that talk about your toxic trait. I'm like, my toxic trait is I judge people's everything. So I can try to guess their Enneagram type, which is like the cardinal rule not to do when you're an Enneagram trainer, because they say, you know, it's all very personal. But once you've done it, you can look at body language, how they talk, <laughs> you know, and you can peg And I'm normally pretty stinking right unless there's some funky overlays <laughs> but yeah totally we'll meet your best friend i was gonna say you're in good company hillary our resident enneagram expert and one of my favorite things that she does is someone will tell us the type and she looks at me and she's like that's not what they are but okay like, <laughs> and so we're trying not to do that um and i'm an eight wing nine what's your wing hillary so I go, I transfer from both back and forth. So people think you have to have one wing. Mine are actually pretty equal. I pick attributes from both. And I actually really encourage people to, if they feel like they're very heavy on one side, kind of take a step back and look at your, just kind of have some awareness to see where you can pick up some of that other wing. So I used to be very too heavy, almost to a fault. And as I started to get into the Enneagram more, I realized I had just been shoving my four wing away because I didn't want to be a four or any part of a four. And so I picked up, I started through, you know, my training and certifications and everything, really learning how to utilize both. So I feel like now I'm actually pretty evenly based a three wing two and a three wing four, but it depends on the day, right? Like one day I'll swing more heavy one or the other. So yeah. That's so interesting. And we've, we've talked about internally a lot, how we feel like, you know, either side of your wing is either more extroverted or more introverted and, you know, what that really looks like. And, you know, even the older I get, the more introverted I feel like from an intentional perspective, but I am pretty afraid. I'm not going to lie of my, of a seven wing for me. Sure. Um, And I can identify when I'm picking that up. So Mm -hmm. it's so interesting to hear you say that, that there's, Kind of like the side of you, you know, that you kind of shun a little bit, but maybe embracing it is an area of growth and development. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. I would, I mean, even from the very like little I know about you is that you're an entrepreneur and sevens in the business world are serial entrepreneurs. Like yeah. that's your seven wing coming in hot. Like that is those positive, like go exploration, like seeing what I can go and tackle, right? Because as an eight, you're very strong. I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to go, I'm going to build a strategy. I'm going to roll it out. It's going to be the best, right? But that energy that you have, that entrepreneurial spirit that you have from your seven wing is what probably makes you so successful because there's a lot of eights that are powerhouses in the business world, right? Because they can climb that ladder. They can go, 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 but tell them to go start a business by themselves. And they would freak out because there isn't the structure of the company, but because you are probably more keyed into your wing seven than you think you are. You're right. Like that serial entrepreneur spirit is probably what makes you successful. That's interesting. My brother's, yeah, I know my brother's an eight wing seven. He's kind of like, that crazy maverick, you know, and I think it's because we've always been the flip side of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like, just calm down. Like, I want to come in hot day, but let's just mm-hmm. go out. 
yeah. think about it where he's just like comes in and like blows stuff up but you know in a very positive way so I'm sure there's a little bit to that hmm, that's interesting. so interesting okay, I love that you're not allowed right. to and there's gender overlays there too <laughs> you can look at an eight wing seven with a heavy wing seven female versus an eight wing seven you know heavy wing seven male they're going to operate completely differently well, <laughs> I could go into so many tangents, but I'll keep it focused. <laughs> and you have a great ebook and it's called Unlocking Your Potential at Work. I'm just now going to be starting it, which I'm a little bit behind. Hillary's ahead of me, of course. And she's like analyzing it and making sure things prepared, but I'm very excited about it. I think a lot of our listeners will be excited about it too. I have so many questions that we want to ask you, like, how did you even, what is an Enneagram burnout coach? How did this wow. How did you start this book? What is it about? I mean, good Lord, help us. Yeah, yeah. So I actually have the physical copy right here with me. So it's a physical copy too. So I know you guys can't see this on who who are listening, but it's a physical copy too that was released in December. And honestly, what, so I, just to kind of tell you my background on how I started. So I have one, I have two stories. I have my burnout story and I have my Enneagram story. And so my burnout story was that I knew from a very young age that I was not going to be put in a box. Like I grew up in a suburb in California, in central California, very close to like major cities and everything. But I just somehow in my bones, I can remember at like eight years old, I knew I wasn't going to stay in that box. Both sides of my family had lived in that box for, you know, no one had moved out of the area. And I just knew I was going to be the first. And I very quickly realized that. And so I started climbing that ladder of success, right, to get me out of that box. And so at 18, I got out of that box and I moved halfway across the country to Missouri. So I moved from California to Missouri, which was beyond a culture shock for me. And like, I came in with this like larger than life, California girl personality, trying to fit into this country culture that I had no business being in. And so I shifted myself to fit into that culture and started doing the things that this culture in Southeast Missouri wanted me to do. So I, you know, I got married at 19. I had my first son by 21. I had my second son by 22 who surprised us with a Down syndrome diagnosis. I graduated college in three years. I had my first corporate career, you know, laid out before I was even graduated. And so I was going boom, 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 boom. And all the while I ended up having two extramarital affairs because my life was freaking crumbling. And it was like this, like, that was my cry for help. Like that I had I was so concerned with failure, right? Like as a three, and I didn't know this at the time, this is when it transfers into my Enneagram story, but I was so concerned with external failure that I would rather drive myself into the ground to hide my failure, to hide my failure of that I probably moved to the wrong place, to hide my failure of my first marriage, to hide my failure that being a mom wasn't something that came naturally to me, that I was better in the office, right? And I kept shoving that down and internalizing that failure because I was so scared of that external failure. But at the end of the day, when I was at rock bottom and so burnt out, there was no choice. I had that external failure, right? It was, it was everywhere. 
And my recovery came through the Enneagram. I started, it was at that point where I just had hit rough bottom that I like, I have to do something. Like I have to, like, I can't live like this anymore. And I had taken the Enneagram assessment once before and I had mistyped as an eight and I read it and I was like, yeah, some of this resonates with me, but whatever. But then six months later, when I had hit that like rock bottom moment in my life and just like, I need to figure out how to pick up these pieces. I retook the assessment and I came out as a three. And I remember reading the results and tears just streaming down my face because I felt like it was the first time in my life that I was seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just started consuming all I could about this wonderful personality framework and which really led me into ditching corporate America and starting my own business because I was like, no, like, this is what I am. Like, I'm a third generation business owner. I, you know, know nothing else. Like, this is who I'm supposed to be. And so it led me to starting my own full service marketing agency. Super, it was super successful. I loved it, but I found myself very quickly burnt out again. And it was just a lot of reflection and like, what is going on? And I have what I call my come into Jesus moment. I picked up the Enneagram again, and I went away for the weekend with my husband. And I just was like, you know, studying of like completely like off grid. And during that moment, I said, oh my gosh, like the reason why I'm burnt out is because I'm doing the work for all of my clients and I'm building these strategies for me and my personality and not them. So I'm so frustrated when they don't, you know, when I walk away, they just go to crap, Yeah. you know? And I was like, that's it. I'm going to start using the Enneagram in my marketing strategies. And I would find out my client's Enneagram type and build their strategy around that. But what I realized is through this, the clients were soaking that up. They were like, this is amazing. But what I realized is I ended up becoming more of a business coach for them personally is like, okay, yes, this works for me and my business, but how, how do I handle this over here in my personal life? Because you fixed my business. How do I now fix these same challenges in my personal life? And that's when I became really passionate about work-life balance and using the Enneagram to help achieve work-life balance and avoid burnout because I learned how to avoid it in myself. And I just became so passionate about helping others. And then in, in 2020 is when I changed my business to just specifically Enneagram burnout coaching training. So yeah, I think I answered that in a really long winded form, but that's kind of my, my story, how I got here and how I became an Enneagram burnout coach. And now I train, you know, I do one-on-one coaching with people on better business owners. And then I also work with teams to, you know, train them on the Enneagram, how, like how you guys have said in the past, like how you try to use the Enneagram to build effective teams. So I go in and teach people how to do that, increase their communication, avoid burnout right now. That is like, I mean, I say I'm an Enneagram burnout coach, right? Because I, that's the thing people started asking me most about, like I help in a variety of things, but that is the, the major focus right now is that just people are burnt out. No matter if you're a solopreneur, no matter if you work within a big organization or team, you know, there's a reason 
why we have this great resignation happening right now. And it's because of burnout. And I'm so passionate about showing people that it doesn't have to be this way. (laughs) Right. And the Enneagram is a great tool to help. Well, it definitely is an endemic issue in our society and, you know, one that needs to be addressed and it really can only be addressed on a micro level, I think. And so having coaches who are going into teams and really trying to infiltrate cultures in a way that's impactful and changing the climate of everyday workspace and being comfortable with asking for help and using the Enneagram for good not just, you know, being like, well, I'm a type eight and I'm going to be an asshole like 65% right. of the day. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's so important. It is. Enneagram isn't an excuse. That's what right. I always start out with when, if with any corporate trainings is the Enneagram is not an excuse. It is right. a tool. If you have a problem communicating harshly, then yeah. you need to be aware of that problem on who you're talking to. If you're an eight talking with an eight, great. But if you're an eight talking to a two, Right. Right. Talking to a six, talking with a nine. Right. Okay. I'm going to be aware of their type and how they like to be communicated with. It is my time to go inward and reflect on how I can better communicate with this person. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, and communication means a ton of things. Like for us, you know, just kind of openly expressing, I need this kind of communication via email, via phone, or maybe not, or in person. This is how I accept criticism. This is, you know, that it's going to be a, in a way where I will listen and then I will also apply and not just be incredibly defensive. All of us have really do a good job, I think, of practicing that. And but there has to be a culture and environment of acceptance and everybody from top to bottom. And we receive a lot of um, mentorship from the youngest members of our team, the newest members of our team, and just being open to that, I think is super important and has been critical for us and the application of Enneagram here. But well, I know we really want to get to with you, just what are some of the things that each type can look out for? Because I think that if you're listening, you're listening this far, not only for that beautiful story, and I think it's very uh, vulnerable and all of us can find something to you know, resonate with there. We see ourselves and when someone is vulnerable with their story, whether it's the exact same walk or not, you kind of see yourself in that journey a little bit, the admittance of failure, the acceptance of failure, and then moving on from that. How do you do that? But what does burnout look like from each type? (laughs) It's so triggering. (laughs) Everybody, and we have, like we talked about this before, we have nearly every type on our team. But, you know, what are some of the things that we should be looking at internally, just signs that someone is struggling, that that they need help? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a list of things that I can go through for each type, but I also want to let people know how, how I got these things, right? <laughs> like this doesn't just come out of thin air, these signs. Each type, each Enneagram type has a line of stress. So it's a line within the diagram that points to the type you go to in stress. And when you are going to this type in stress, you are picking up more of the challenging characteristics of that type. I looked at that and researched that to help come up with these areas of like awareness that you can have when you're headed toward burnout. So I just wanted to add that little caveat. So if people maybe aren't resonating with this, it might be because you're picking up different parts of a type or maybe you're mistyped, right? Which is a, which is a thing too. Mistyped. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'll start. Do you want me to start with type one or type nine? Sometimes people like to go totally up to you. Dealer's choice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I love to start with type one and I get a lot of flack for this on my Instagram. People are like, can you please start with some type nine or mix it up? And I'm like, it's just not how my mind works. So (laughs) I'm going to start with type one. So type ones, when they are headed toward burnout or in stress, they're going to head to a type So they will start noticing maybe that they are more easily angered at minor inconveniences and feel as though like no one understands what they're going through. So experiencing a full range of emotions, type ones are really easy to pinpoint anger. That's really the only emotion type ones have easily accessible to them. So when type ones feel like overly emotional and out of control of their emotions and no one understands them, that's a good sign they're headed to burnout. So the emotional cues are moody, drained, more emotional, more emotional than usual. Are type twos. Type twos go to a type eight when they are stressed or headed to burnout. So they begin to feel really controlled by their life or their job and really can't remember the last time they did something just for them without anything else benefiting. So their emotional cues are like resentment. They become demanding, more aggressive, and can be unapproachable. Type threes. Type threes go to a type nine when they're in stress or headed toward burnout. And so type threes are going to start numbing to avoid the feeling of not being good enough. Things like zoning out on their phone, mindlessly kind of watching television or Netflix, things like that. Their emotional cues are that they are more melancholy. They have kind of like this ignorance is bliss type of mentality and like an ambivalence around them. Type fours go to a type two when they are in burnout. So they are going to start hyper-focusing on the needs of literally everyone around them to kind of help them find a sense of purpose. And so their emotional cues are going to be resentment, self-pity, neglecting themselves, and really getting just really internal and that emotion of anger coming up quite a bit in resentment. Type fives, type fives go to a type seven when they are stressed or headed toward burnout. So they start to become easily distracted by their environment and are unable to focus. The emotional cues for a type five could be scattered thinking, directionless, and being a little bit more critical of their environment than usual. Type fives are critical, but it's like that extra, it's like that critical with an edge for the type fives. Type sixes. Type sixes go to a three when they are stressed or headed toward burnout. And so type sixes can become like hyper focused on a project and neglect everything else in their life. They just get very like tunnel vision. Emotional cues can be really high energy followed by a crash, very self critical, and become a workaholic. Type sevens, type sevens go to a one when they are stressed. So they begin to experience feelings of perfectionism or believe that there is only like one right way to do something. So their emotional cues might be like being extra rigid, needing like to feel like they have to organize or like perfect their environment and a lot of anger. Type sevens don't have a lot of emotions readily available. So 
if they experience any type of emotion, it's like, whoa, what is this? And especially anger, that's a, that's a big sign for sevens for burnout. Type eights, you all go to a type five when you're stressed or headed toward burnout. So you withdraw from others and neglect your own well-being. Emotional cues are that you become really in your head. You become antisocial, do not want to be around people. And instead of just speaking your mind whenever you think, you're very quiet and you internalize and ruminate. Then lastly, we have type nines and type nines go to a type six when they're stressed or headed toward burnout. And so they experience like increased worry and become more reactive than thoughtful. Their emotional cues are that they are anxious. They become pretty scattered and get like paralyzed by their anxiety and like hesitant to make any decision. Wow. We're going to try not to drink today. I know. That was amazing though. That was great. That was amazing. I mean, I, you did that like five minutes. I'm so impressed. That's crazy. I breathed through that type six. I was like, here it comes. She just did type five. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. But it's so important. It is so important. Recognize. Yeah. And recognizing others too. Like, you know, Hey, I can tell that you're you know, Hill and I have done a lot of this together. Hill was our first hire here at Francis Roy. And before that, she started as my intern at the tourist development office before we started the agency. So we've been together a long time. And some of Hill's stress looks like the ideal employee. Yeah. It looks like the first person in, the last person out, the person working the hardest, the person who doesn't go on vacation. And it's, I think as her leader, it's my responsibility to go, hey, this looks good. It's not like I'm telling you, it's not, you got to get out of here. You got to, you know, go do your life, do something fun, go get some. And so we have that like climate. And on the flip side, she'll come to me and she's like, Hey, are you okay? You know, you're like, I haven't heard from you. I've heard from you. Something's up, you know? And so having that check-in, those people that you check in with, it's like, you know, so often burnout, is glorified or it's identified as the most productive employee, the most productive person on the team. And it can be just a signal, a red flag, a cry for help. And leaders need to be aware of that. And they need to understand that, you know, this is not a place where we want to run people into the ground and replace them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is, I mean, the awareness that you can pick up using the Enneagram, it helps companies with employee retention. Yeah. Like, because there's a, I mean, we talked about the great resignation just briefly, but it's not just because people are internally burnt out, right? It's because the culture of the company promotes burnout. Right. Right. And there has to be companies have to. It's so imperative to have an environment that not only says they promote work life balance. Right. But does things and acts in a way that promotes work life balance, because that can be in your code of ethics. That can be in your welcome to the team. We promote work life balance. If you ever have a problem, come to come to me. Right. That can be said at the beginning. But if you as a leader, right, aren't going to Hillary and saying like, hey, I'm noticing that you're a little like you're, you're starting to exhibit some of your burnout patterns. Are you sure you're okay? That's real work culture. That's real, right? Like wanting to have an environment of work-life balance. 
Yeah. It's so hard to obtain balance too. I mean, it's definitely a balance, I think, from an, a business owner's perspective where you're just like, okay, you have all of these tasks that need to be done. Mm-hmm. You have this team. Your job really is to take care of the team so that the tasks are taken care of, but you can't run people into the ground to do that. And you're just not going to have anybody or you're going to have to be onboarding like a shit ton of people, you know, time and time and again, but also like recognizing it's so funny because our team, we all share memes like all day long. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but, we do work. but we also share a lot of memes. And there was this one, I love Sarah Jane Case. She's yes. so, she's so great. I absolutely adore her. And because she has these beautiful bits of poetry that honestly just make me, mm-hmm. me my life. It's a real gift. Yeah, yes. very, very huge gift. But she did a, a post that was like, these are your wake up calls. And Hill sent me one. She's like, girl, yours is hospitalization. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not okay. As- I, am not I saw that one. I sent that to so many people. I actually, I think I shared that on my stories. You did. You did. Yeah. yeah. Because I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, I think to that point, it's like, you have to demonstrate balance and not just look for it in others as well. Absolutely. You know, some of my closest friends are twos. My best friend is a two. And I, for me, twos are like, they're just going to give everything they've got. So they've got nothing. You know, that's been my experience with that. And so it's like, you're taking care of everybody else, but it's like, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Absolutely. Yeah. When you want work-life balance in your culture, you have to display that you are also giving it to yourself. Yep. Yeah. They're going to take cues from you, Mm -hmm. I think, which is, I honestly, we could talk about this for three days. I know. Oh yeah. I mean, I do. I talk about it every day of my life. That's my life. (laughs) After this, I got another thing and I'm going to be talking about that too. I I mean, but that's why I wrote a book, right? Like that's why, because it is like, I didn't, you know, sometimes I might talk to someone once, right? If, if I'm lucky, I get to have them as a coaching client, right? Or get to go in and work with their company. But at the end of the day, like it is more than my job. Like I feel like bringing the Enneagram and its benefits is my purpose because it brought me out of, and I mean, I've had to go through some crazy burnout cycles myself the past six weeks. And I, even though it was like, I'm, I do this every day and I still had to come back to it. Right. And so I wanted to create a resource (laughs) for people to just be like, we might only talk once, but you here have this like go-to guide that you can just reference. It's quick. It's easy. You know, it's categorized in a way that's easy to just bring awareness and have just at your fingertips. Because there's no cure for burnout, right? No, it's cyclical. So you have to understand the patterns if you have it once and you fix that, it's not done. It's a work in progress. Yeah. And that's why it's like a burnout cycle, right? You don't want it to get to burnout, right? Burnout is dangerous, but there's first stress, then there's overwhelm and then there's burnout. So if you can catch it at stress, right? You started that cycle, but you don't have to freaking finish it. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's the awareness that allows you to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we need to know where we can buy your book, please. Yes. Yes. So it is on www.unlockyourpotentialatwork.com. So that's the name of the book. 
the name of the website. You can also go to hillarykay.com and there's a link to it there as well. Of course, on my Instagram channel, there's a link to it there. So yeah. Well, we'll definitely tag everything. We will list your websites. We'll make sure people can find you on Instagram and I'm sure people will have questions. Our listeners love the flipping Enneagram. They do. They love it. They love it. So I'm sure there are going to be questions. We're going to have Hillary write a guest blog for us. So we'll put that up so you can ask her questions. You can reach out to her for help or services or whatever. But we're so thankful that you gave us a bit of your wisdom today. I know that we'll stay in touch. I highly anticipate there's going to be a demand for a part two. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm so glad that I was able to talk to y'all. And I, I mean, anytime I get to talk Enneagram, my heart is full. That is awesome. Well, if you're listening, which we're pretty sure that you still are, please send us an email, hello at francisrory.com. If you have questions for our Hillary or Hillary K, I know that these ladies will jump in. In the meantime, I guess it'll be seven, six more days until you hear us again. Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about then, but it's going to be amazing. (laughs) We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you guys so much. Bye.